predictions. Yes, we do. Welcome to Got Predictions. I'm the Bravosian Bastard, Justin. And today, unfortunately, we do not have the Daddy Adorn William. He's got some personal matters to take care of. Our thoughts and prayers to him and his. Um, so uh, it's just me. We'll see how this goes. It'll probably be a lot shorter than our previous episodes, but I'm going to do my best to uh, take my personal opinion. I have not looked at anything else. Um, no um, outside sources have influenced my thoughts, so it's just me. Talked a little bit with William, and we agreed on most things, so here we go. The episode is called The Last Four Starks, so I'm going to do The Last Four Starks in four words. Reverence, honesty, strategy, and Dracarys. That's what we're going to do. It's kind of my themes set up, so... Let's start this off without any words, shall we? Because that opening scene of Danny and all the dead, whew, that moved me a little bit. It was a good tone setter. Loved it. Uh, gave us a little bit more time in the light. With, we actually see our heroes. And, uh, you know, my boy Jorah being bathed in Danny's tears. Got the fallen on pyres for their mass funeral, all dressed appropriately in black. Sansa providing a stark sigil pin for Theon. Mm, my tear ducts began to open, but I quickly shut that shit down. I didn't cry for Jorah. I'm sure as hell not crying for Dickless Theon. Like I said, this scene set the tone. Many sacrificed themselves, and Jon spells that out in his beautiful eulogy. Jon shows his leadership, his compassion, and reverence in this speech. This is why he is the people's champ. Like, I'd follow this guy anywhere, even to the bedroom, if you know what I mean. Like, this scene was a perfect way for the characters and audience to pay their respects to the Fallen. Like, one just side note, how they got all these bodies and pyres set up so quickly is beyond me, and really besides the point. Great scene, great score, somber beginnings before the drunken joy and debauchery that soon ensues. Now, first... The Great Hall is as alive as a Catholic wake, and rightfully so. Friends, families, and strangers are emotionally distraught. Like, where do we go from here? We got one threat down, but what's next? And us as the audience feels the same way. Like, what are our heroes' next move? And, like, this show has done a great job of hiding, keeping everything in a secret, so we really do not have any idea of where they're going next. I mean, even the previews, like, you show, like, three scenes... You have no, no idea what they're really doing in those scenes. So it's kind of cool just to kind of everyone speculating what's happening next. So out of nowhere, Danny steps up and makes Gendry a lord and kind of sets the party in motion. The levity is there now. Everyone can you know embrace this win. Um, and this, in my opinion, is Danny kind of trying too hard. Like it's a noble gesture. But she has nothing as of now. She hasn't won anything. She has no right to do this. She's not queen yet. So really, whatever she says is meaningless to me at this point. But she wants to make a splash in front of the Northmen. And it seems to work for now. Like, the mood turns. Everyone lets loose. Then D Danny name drops again. She yells out Arya as a hero of Winterfell. Once again, fishing for respect. 
Now the booze is flowing. Stories are being rendered in real time. Like this is the happiest our heroes have been in a minute. And it leads to some great conversations like Torment retelling, Torment, Tormund, retelling of Jon's dragon riding, Tyrion, Jamie, Pod, and Brienne playing Truth or Drink. But that's that, that moment, the Truth or Drink kind of, I don't know. Tyrion calling out Brienne for being a virgin seemed a bit out of character and plain cruel for no reason. Like, I understand that it drove the sexual encounter, but it seemed a little forced and just not, it's not, it's not Tyrion-like. He's, he's been nothing but respectful to Brienne. She was just knighted, and now he's kind of being a douche to her, calling her out for something that's obviously going to embarrass her. So why did it happen? I mean, for the sex, but, um... How about that night-on-night -night action? I really didn't think the show would go through with it. I mean, Jamie climbed that mountain, as Tyrion said, and uh, here we are. They did it, and uh, yeah. Uh, but back to Torment for a moment. His rousing retelling of Dragon Rider John brought the Northerners to their knees as their voices rang with King, King, King. They really believe in John as their true king. And at this moment, it was one of my favorite parts, we get Danny going through a mental break, like a complete mental breakdown. The music gets ominous as Danny gives the carry eyes. Like she pinpoints all the potential betrayals. And why is no one paying attention to me? I'm their queen, damn it. Like if she had telekinetic powers right now, she would use them and probably murder all the people in the room. Like she had the crazy eyes. Varys is right behind her. He's seeing it. He's, he's starting to wane. Um, these people respect and love John so much. They will follow this bastard to the grave. And then you got Danny's insecurities are corrupting her. The madness is diluting her rational reasoning. Will she become the Mad Queen? Like I said, Varys is playing, paying very close attention to her in this scene. All her mannerisms. Um, he has seen this... Actually, I think he's seen these eyes many times. Like... Most kings and queens, they will get paranoid. Everyone's after them. That's what's the, the cost of being on the top. Everyone's gunning for you. And they are foreshadowing this heavily. So are they playing with our heads? Or is she going to destroy anyone in her way, no matter who they are? Game of Thrones tends to subvert expectations. So I think this is set up for her to do something noble, like out of character for her. And perhaps sacrifice herself for John. I think she might go out in a hero's in a hero's manner, but uh, plus, really, she's not a good leader. Like without her dragons, she would be nothing. Like literally nothing. She wouldn't have gotten anywhere without her dragons. They've burned everything in the in the way to get her to this point, <clears throat> and I think she knows that. Which brings me to honesty. Like this episode is all about honesty. It's like every character's mind. Like this is who I am. This is my journey through seven seasons, eight years, whatever it is. This is who I am. They're all being, for the most part, true to themselves. And their honesty will get them through the last two episodes, I think. So, um, this season, though, it like tells you every effing episode, do you see how much this person has changed since season one? Like, to me, it's getting kind of annoying. Like, your audience is intelligent. You are intelligent. Your characters are intelligent. Do you constantly have to remind everyone that they've changed? Like, we, we know that. 
the characters know that. Like every scene is like, oh, remember, remember how I was in season one? I can't believe how how I am now. Like, but regardless of that, this episode gives every main character a moment of honest reflection and some honest action. Like, bear with me for a second. I'm gonna go kind of character by character, but it's really short. So like Brienne, she's been in love with Jamie for years but never thought like she was probably good enough or lady enough for such a man. And uh, she's not Cersei and she's not your typical beauty, but she gave into her honesty and she paid for it. She was broken in more ways than one. Then you go to Jamie, who's loyal to Cersei until the undead came calling, survived great odds, put his wiener in another bun and decided, you know what? That didn't, that didn't fit quite right. So eight years of Jamie serving Cersei, and he can't let her go. It's like impossible. Uh, he really should have taken Steve Carell's advice as Andy in the 40-year-old version. Like, you need to get past that because no asses were thinking that much about, I always say. But, but here we are, Jamie being honest with himself, leaves for his sister, leaving Brienne in tears, and Gwendolyn Christie gave a performance that like provoked feelings in me that I, I didn't even know were there. Jamie saying that he's a hateful man pained me as much as Brienne. Like that scene was amazing. Jamie crushing the audience. Jamie crushing his, his like the one lady who might love him. But I mean, his sister doesn't love him. She's using him all the time. And then you have this one lady, Brienne seeing past his imperfections, knowing all of his history and still wanting to be with him. Yeah, that was that was heart-wrenching. So now Jamie is the enemy yet again. He says, screw screw him, <laughs> love him and leave him, whatever he says. I really think he will die now. He kind of deserves it. And Brienne is pregnant most likely. Just that side note. She has to deal with that now. And then you have Varys and Tyrion. Oh man, the dissension and ranks is prominent like Tyrion knows that Danny is really not fit to lead but is unwilling to act because of fear he fears her but Varys is fighting for the realm and his honest opinions speak of why he has survived for so long like he picks the winners because winners live but um I, I really think Varys is going to get called out though something's going to happen to him next episode but he's right he sees the madness creeping in and Tyrion sees it as well, but he's not willing to to fight it because he knows she will kill him most likely. He's he's led her to this point. He's disappointed her so many times. He's been wrong so many times, mainly about his sister, his kin, and she's called him out on it. And I think this is coming to a head next episode. She's gonna be super pissed. She lost another another child, and it's probably due to his his negligence as a leader. I, he has failed. And we'll get to that in a minute. I'm going to talk about the hands in a moment. Um, but yeah, then you go to Danny, who gives John a freaking ultimatum. Like, she's becoming unhinged. She's delusional. She truly believes it's her destiny to sit on that throne. Like, she cannot comp compromise, will not compromise. She cannot be rational. Like, her one goal has been restored, and she now is like a Mack truck, and John is just a fawn in the right lane at the wrong time. But that's Danny at her most honest. And she only wants to throne no matter who she's boned, who's in the way. Uh, speaking of boning, let's jump to Arya real quick. Another callback to season one. Another callback to season one. 
I, I understand the poetic justice the writers want here, but come on, tell a new story. You don't have to relate everything someone says to the beginning of the freaking show. Make this your own, for God's sake. Stop retelling me things we have heard before or already know. Like, just sorry. Just, like, tell me something I don't know. Give me some story here and not just a freaking remembrance of season one. That's, like, all it is. Like, oh, remember this in season one? Oh, how we're going to book in this constantly. Give me a story, for God's sake. Not just telling me crap I've already, I've already heard before. Anyways, Arya. Being honest with herself. I'm no lady, blah, blah, blah. First off, Gendry should take Jay's advice from the 40-year-old version and not put the pussy on a pedestal. Like, you banged her and now you love her? Come on, Gendry. You need to be honest with yourself. Do you even know her? She can fight and she can bang you. Like, does that earn her the title of, of lady to you there's a million people out there gendry you're not that bad looking you'll find someone not the first girl that gives it to you in many years um so Arya is on her way to king's landing and she meets the hound who is on his way for the only thing that will honestly make him happy most likely killing his zombie bro and if i had it my way i don't want to spin off of the hound and andrea's adventures i would call it Lost and Hound. Be a good one. I love them together. They're perfect. They have some good stuff going on. They're always funny. And now they're kind of bonded over their own like reclusive nature. They don't want to be part of the families, I suppose. The Hound definitely he just wants to do his own thing and be by himself. And Arius, I mean, she doesn't want to be in Winterfell. She wants to do her own thing. So they found a common interest in It'll be interesting to see where they go. And then we come to the most honest man around, John. John. Such a dilemma for John. Your puppy love girlfriend doesn't want you to reveal your true identity to your sisters. First off, does Danny understand Bran's ability? Like, I don't think she does, or she would have already offed him. Kid's an encyclopedia of the entire world. Like, is she just ignorant to this fact? Like, she's only concerned with John when Bran can tell everyone everything same with sam like you think those guys are gonna kill it soon if danny really wants her secret kept uh in the family if you will uh second she should be encouraging john to tell his sisters and be there when he does just get all of this out in the open holidays are the best times for this at least with my family it's kind of a holiday right now i mean they won the the ice war like if she supports him and everyone understands the plan Arya and Sansa might show, at the very least, some professional courtesy towards their queen. Because family is supposed to love family, no matter what. And Danny should really fully understand who Jon is by now, if she really loved him. You know, asking him for secrecy is like asking Bran to smile. Can't do it. But can we get real here? Jon and Danny were not given proper screen time for their love to even be earned. A couple common enemies and a dragon ride does not equal love. And love normally doesn't require ultimatums. John has a choice, but he has always put family first and the right thing first. And he knows the consequences, but does he understand them? I think not. John does not play the game, even though he's well suited for it. But John, you know, he does what John would do. He tells his sisters the truth. Good for you, Johnny. Always doing the right thing. Your headless surrogate father would be proud in his grave. 
Now, by divulging this information, you have been put on Danny's chopping block, and now you have created another problem that will be exploited by your kin and countrymen, pretty much guaranteed. Um, so now let's get to the strategy, or lack thereof. But I want to clarify one thing first. Cersei is the most clever human left. She deserves the throne for her wits alone. She's set up anti-dragon stations. She's got the best navy. She's got the golden company. She's got her own people believing in her. Like, she should not lose whatever's coming against her. She's she's well-suited for every battle they can throw at her. Uh, Danny knew this would happen. She told Jon that her enemies will strengthen their positions while she is fighting his war. Two of her children are dead due to his poor strategic planning. Shout out to Kyburn. Shout out to Kyburn. He's the Mariano Rivera of Westeros. Cersei needs something to gain the upper hand? Turn on Inner Sandman and here comes Kyburn running through the doors to close his enemies down. Like that dude deserves so much and more. A sleeper pick if you ever would have chosen one to really turn the tides in these battles. Um, anyways, back to dumbass Johnny. Capturing that white was a waste of time. And after this battle, John has like zero foresight of what his enemies are planning. It's all about what they're going to do. But what about your enemy? They have minds too. They're thinking just as much as you are and they've had more time. Like was anyone defending Dragonstone at all? Like did they just leave it empty? Yara could have been like stationed there or at least have some ships on patrol, have an, an army, a lookout, something at that place of business. You need to have someone there at the very least to be a lookout and have a raven on hand to deliver information. That's all I'm saying. I mean, Danny deserves some of the blame. Hell, they all do, but John is the battle strategist and he didn't ponder the movements of Cersei once. You left your base of operations defenseless. Cersei knows where your base is. She had time to scheme, you haven't, but you must put everyone's thoughts in the suggestion jar and read them aloud. If Cersei and Sansa end up ruling the North, I'm okay with that. Sansa is like this close to Cersei level. So let's take some time. Sansa's correct. Take some time to evaluate the situation. Recover. Recuperate. Your armies need rest. You can't go from fighting the dead all night to straight marching down to King's Landing. It makes no strategic sense. It makes no logical sense. You, Danny has been doing this for eight years What's a couple more months? I mean, what is going to change? The change is your armies will be ready. You can actually come up with a plan instead of rushing to do something stupid. And maybe, I don't know, Danny represents the screenwriters rush to the end. Like, this is a mad dash. Everyone has to be there now. There is no time to wait. No time to develop anything. It's just, this is what I want. I'm at the end. Let's go get it instead of biding our times, which makes strategical sense and uh lastly uh speaking of the end in my opinion this encounter should not have happened it's just pointless to even try to talk to cersei to negotiate with cersei there's no reason unless you really think you can get Masinde back which they don't so you have cersei and her advisors archers at the ready dragon bolts set to kill then you have danny her advisors and like 20 unsullied like this is cersei moment Cersei's moment to end the Dragon Queen, end the Usurper. At the very least, light up Tyrion. Before I go on, I'm going off the rails on a theory train, so bear with me. 
So in season seven, last episode, Tyrion has that conversation with Cersei off camera. We haven't heard anything about that yet. Has Tyrion been leading Danny astray this whole time? Is Tyrion the ultimate mole? You don't go from the cleverest man alive to Jon Snow levels of knowing nothing because of a scenery change. I think that conversation is of the utmost importance now. No reason to let him live unless it's all part of the plan. I think the last episode of this season slash series will shed light on that particular conversation. It must have a payoff. Something crazy is going to happen. Turncoat, we'll see what happens with Tyrion. He might lose his life for it, but he might gain everything out of it. Who knows? Anyways, back at the shores of King Landing, you have Dracarys. Last thing Missende says before the mountain decapitates her. I suppose it's kind of fitting. Grey Worm and Missende planning on moving to someplace warm on the beach. Here we are. Their location obviously not of choice. Their situation not of choice. But the gods have a cruel sense of humor. So Grey Worm's loss was extremely visceral. The pain in his eyes, he had to look away. But now he has no fear once again. This makes him a dangerous man. And we all know Grey Worm is a bad brother. So I think he's going to go out, but he's going to take a lot of people with him. He will die in his attempt for revenge. But for Masinde's final words, uh, or word, it was poignant. Her journey with the Mother of Dragons taught her that you know, women are more than capable of ruling this world. She truly believed in her queen. And her last word was not love for Grey Worm, but a battle cry for Danny. But will this be a wise decision for Danny? Her rage is at a fever pitch and she's teetering on the dark side. What's her next move? It appears that we will get another battle-centric episode. I, I say you need Arya here to be like that silent assassin again. Take out the anti-dragon hardware and then they might have a chance I would assume we will see some dragon rock dropping action. It's a cloudy day over King's Landing and you can't hit what you can't see. I also think Varys is exposed and executed. I think we'll get the Hound versus the Mountain this episode. I think they both die and the Hound dies later protecting Arya. Um, but, you know, I think that's enough speculation for my part. Overall, this was a good episode. Almost every character is conflicted in some way which sets up many pathways for them to travel down. Only two episodes left to see which way they go. Now to our predictions game. DJ Hot Pie, play that music, son. All right, now to our got predictions part of the episode, the game, if you will. Um... Last week, and we were wrong so much, we had to play a strategy of our own. Um, I picked Melisandre, Night King, Viserion to die, but it didn't really matter because there was wasted picks. They died in episode three. I picked to live in episode four. Bran, Ghost, and Nymeria. They all did, presumably. Um, Nymeria, wherever she is, good, good for her. And then uh, that brings me to 63 points. So I'm doing quite well. Um, for episode five, I'm picking to live Arya and Bronn. 
Obron, like LeBron, just going to the sidelines for this battle, apparently. Not going to be in the playoffs. And uh, he's just going to settle wherever he is until it's all over. And uh, better luck next year, LeBron. Uh, to die? Man, I'm thinking Euron's. It's his time, man. He's out rocking the head or something. Or maybe Yara comes and chops his face off. Uh, I think the Hound, like I said, is going out. So is the Mountain. And then I had to choose uh, Rhaegal, the dragon, because, you know, he's already dead. And then my, my sole survivor, still going strong, Tyrion Lannister. I think he's going to make it all the way through. My boy, got to get to at least number six, and I'm, I'm locked in to win this, I believe. Will has a fighting chance right now. Uh, last week, William, daddy of Dorne, he picked to live Ghost and Tyrion. They both did. Good for you. Uh, he picked to die, but like these were wasted picks too because they already met their demise. Jorah, Lyanna, Melisandre, and Viserion. Um, his Night King, his Soul Survivor also perished, so nothing there for him. So he only got 8 points last week, so he has a total of 31. So right now it's me, 63, William, 31. So he has to go all in kind of to make a comeback which is the scary part you gotta just go with math now math has to win you you're like that that team that's like teetering on the playoffs that oh if we win this many games and these people lose this many games we have a chance so now he's got to put all his chips on the table he's going bold he's got john living not so bold danny dying varus dying kyburn dying and Bron dying and then he has Rhaegal as a throwaway pick because we didn't think Rhaegal was going to die yet. So that's what you got until episode five. We'll see you next week. Appreciate it. For the Bastard of Bravos, the Bravosian Bastard, I'm Justin. And next week, hopefully, the Daddy Adorn will be back next week to discuss episode five. Peace. Mm -hmm.